This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. George on Federal News Network. Thank you for joining the show. We hope that everybody is staying safe and doing well. And we're going to be talking about a number of different issues today, about especially with security clearances. We got one of our favorite guests on with us today, Evan Lesser. He is the president of clearancejobs.com. He's actually the founder and president of clearancejobs.com. And he will be talking to us about some of our favorite issues about what's going on with security clearances, what's going on in the government right now as far as the COVID-19, and then also, too, some things that have just happened with some espionage issues that we're going to touch upon towards the end of the show. Hey, Evan, hey, welcome on being on the show again. Hey, good to talk with you, Derek. Thanks so much. Always. Hey, I know that we're all quarantined and everything else, but talk to us about how this right now has impacted the clearance or the, or actually the, the, the security clearance market or the government contractor market in terms of the changing preferences of people having to now work from home. Has it had a big impact or not really, or what's going on? Yeah, it's been interesting uh, for sure, Derek. I think, you know, obviously a large portion of the, the global workforce has now worked from home for what, five-ish months, I think, at this point? Yeah, yeah. You know, employers, including employers in national security, are starting to realize that workers coming into an office every day might not be 100% necessary. Um, yes, it is a different world for us in the national security business. When we um, had some recent surveys, um, we got back some interesting information that I think kind of talked a little bit about the whole work-from-home thing. In, in our recent survey, 44% of security-cleared employers obviously work with classified information, they expect an increase in teleworking even after a vaccine is produced and distributed and, and the pandemic does start to lessen. And I think most employers um, that we surveyed, um, roughly, I don't know, 20% it was, uh, believe that they'll return to the same pre-pandemic work environments they left in March. So very small number think that this is going to kind of just all of a sudden disappear and, and go back to, to the way it was. Suffice to say that the world has changed. And I think while our industry has felt less changed than most others, even security cleared workers let us know that their expectations have changed and they do expect employers to accommodate. One of the interesting things that we did um, uncover is that part of this reason that candidates have new change expectations is due to these really huge, large, visible employers outside of national security, mostly Mm -hmm. making dramatic shifts in their telework strategies. Mm -hmm. You know, Google is the most extreme example. They've got employees that are working from home through July, 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Spotify is uh, work from home through 2020. Same with Amazon corporate and um, Twitter and Facebook have both adopted permanent work from home options. And and the Mm -hmm. question is, how does this affect cleared workers? Well, these companies are at the forefront of human resources innovation and, and what they do makes headlines and people from all walks of life read what they're doing. And while our defense industry companies are very different than Silicon Valley elite, you know, workers in our industry are taking note and they expect changes in the way that they work as well. Sure, sure, sure. Well, hey, will this begin, I mean, has, has there been talk in terms of the technology 
um, you know, of course, as people say, listen, I want to work from home and everything else. Um, you know, what has always been the caveat to that was that, well, you got to access, you know, classified information. And I know some things have been moving towards kind of, you know, Amazon web services and everything else in terms of stuff being on the cloud. But is there going to be more kind of technology put into place to create uh, maybe even kind of a quasi skiff at a person's house where they can access, uh, you know, where they have to kind of, you know, say, listen, you got to have a secure space. You got to do certain kind of things if you want to work from home. And then we're going to also give you a secure system uh, with, a, you know, with a secure line. Where is that going? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the expectation. In our recent survey, 77% of employers said they expect their senior management to reevaluate their telework options. You know, again, it's different for us, but the past number of months have proven that not all cleared workers must sit in a skiff every day, nor commute to a cleared office five days right. a week. Sure. If you think about telework before the pandemic, you know, in 2018, there was a, a survey that, that came out and about 42% of federal employees were eligible for telework, but very few took advantage of it. The DOD has the largest number of teleworkers, but that number uh, pre-pandemic only represented about 15% of all DOD employees. So there was really not a whole lot of telework going on pre-pandemic. But you know, now that uh, the world has changed and people understand that just because COVID-19 you know, could be gone by this time next year doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. mean there's not another pandemic uh, waiting in the wings and that we're going to have to make changes. Sure. You know, one thing that I've thought about in terms of these government agencies is that, I mean, there's a concern that, you know, one person who's affected, right, one person who's infected by something can walk into a, a workforce. And although it's not intentional, right, but they could basically uh, uh, almost kind of gut that whole workforce if they accidentally sneeze or or infect a whole bunch of other people in the workplace. Right. And so I'm assuming that our leaders right now are kind of thinking about the dynamic of, you know, it's almost even more secure to have people separated in the way they are. Also, too, um, you know, in terms of kind of just the cost of the dynamic in terms of maybe cutting down costs as it relates to building costs or acquiring real estate, uh, all the bills that go into that kind of stuff and the security that goes into keeping these facilities safe. You can eliminate a lot of those kind of pieces right there by having a more of a telework workforce. Are you hearing those discussions as well? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, pre-pandemic, uh, obviously, the numbers show that even though there were, uh, you know, a decent number of people that were eligible to work from home, very few people actually took advantage of that. But if you fast forward to, what, March of, of this year, suddenly most cleared workers that were non-essential to national security were working from home. Employers mm -hmm. let us know that 65% of them said the majority of their cleared employees were now working from home. Only 24% of employers said they still had employees working in their physical offices. Um, so so I, I guess what's important to note is that, you know, in the five months since the U.S. locked down and started working from home, America's national security apparatus has continued on. Yeah. You know, it's essential work. People are going to get their jobs done, pandemic or not. Work from home is not the national security disaster a lot of people thought it would be. People have been effective. There have even been some benefits come forth in the shadow of the pandemic. So I think, if anything, the pandemic has made uh, national security leaders take another look at what work from home means and how it can be effective. Uh, the U.S. Army has started uh, intentionally looking at that kind of quasi-digital skiff, as you mentioned, and trying mm -hmm. to figure out 
how can they have some people uh, work from home and, and, and still classified classified information in a, in a secure way? Yeah. What are you hearing as it relates to the, you know, the preferences? And, and of course, I mean, you know, some things won't change as it relates to, but I know the military and other places, you know, had started to even kind of readapt um, even some of the training things that they were doing as it relates to um, COVID-19. Are you hearing in, uh, anything about kind of a little bit more uh, virtual training? I mean, I know there's been a big dynamic in terms of everybody doing a lot, you know, webinars and, and other kind of training, but in terms of kind of training government workers or training even, you know, military people, whoever, um, has, have you seen the beginning a shift in terms of more virtual type stuff in order for this training environment to, you know, people to still continue to get educated and still get trained on certain kind of systems or, you know, tactics and procedures, this, that, and the other. But is that going to also be a, a maybe a flourishing area uh, that's going to be on the horizon? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's interesting just uh, in the last, you know, number of months, um, we've seen the number of jobs on, on clearance jobs for people that are skilled in video technologies, both on the development side, software, mm-hmm. as well as on the hardware side. And um, installation, uh, maintenance, um, update of, of video conferencing, all that has, has dramatically picked up over the last number of months. I mean, it's, it's definitely the, the new reality. But, you know, along those lines, the expectations of the cleared workforce um, have changed. And again, if this was just a couple of weeks thing, mm-hmm. you know, we'd all be back to normal. But sure, sure. Um, cleared professionals now have new demands of employers and you know it, that that's the changed world that we're in nobody was really talking a whole lot about telework um before the pandemic now it's just a part of the conversation right 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 without question we'll take a quick break and when we come back we're going to keep this conversation going about how the changes of covid 19 and this pandemic have really impacted the the dynamic of what's going on in the clear market in terms of government uh, workers as well as you know government contractors who work in the security clearance space we're having an interesting conversation with evan lesser he is the founder and president of clearancejobs.com you can find them on clearancejobs.com a great website in which you can, if you're a clear candidate, a person who has a confidential all the way to a top secret SEI with a poly, then it's a great site for you to be on. There's going to be a number of different employers on there who are looking for your skills, who are looking for your clearance level. And then also if you're a recruiter who's also looking for talent, then you can also find them there. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch from Federal News Network. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch from Federal News Network. If you're just joining us, we're having a conversation about what's going on in the security clearance market. We're talking to one of our favorite guests, Evan Lesser. He's uh, uh, the president and founder of uh, clearancejobs.com, a great website for those people who have security clearances who are looking for positions and also for those employers who are looking for talent who have security clearances in this market right now. We're talking about what's going on and how the pandemic has impacted the security clearance job market, uh, whether it be the positive or the negative dynamics of that market right now. Evan, you know, when you think about from things from the candidate, you know, where, when we think about, you know, because everybody's kind of saying, listen, you know, right now, and, and of course, the security clearance market is unique. But we've had a number of different kind of layoffs. We had a number of different people who are now unemployed. Uh, we have people who are afraid about if their job is still going to be there. Um, and so candidates are, are oftentimes thinking, you know, what is the impact of the market right now in terms of my job, my future, 
my long-term and even short-term prospects of a job or even promotions or even you know a, a better life. What's going on in, in this market right now? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, you know the security cleared industry, um, national security apparatus uh, has been largely unaffected by the the pandemic in, in terms of uh, employment. You know, people with security clearance. You know, they they take a look at the non-cleared world. There are what 30 million U.S. citizens on unemployment right now. Yeah, yeah. Most of us know someone who's lost their job or, or lost their business or experienced some ill effects of the pandemic. But uh, again, cleared workers, I think they know they're in a fortunate spot. On the recent surveys we did, 84% of security cleared professionals reported their job hasn't been affected by the pandemic. Only 12% reported fewer hours, and only 4% noted furloughs or layoffs. You know, we know that um, the pandemic has brought this kind of wave of uncertainty to all aspects of daily life. But 22% of cleared workers that are employed uh, had actually told us that they are not interested in making a career change until the pandemic subsides. Mm. So, um, you know, that's that's an interesting dynamic. But for the cleared world, very few people have been impacted by layoffs or furloughs. Um, there are some exceptions, but very few have been impacted. And just like the rest of the world, cleared people, um, you know, most of them are willing to make a, a change now, mm-hmm. but they are going to be interested in understanding what remote work opportunities are are available. So it sounds like it's a little bit more of a stable market for the cleared uh, worker. Uh, I know we kind of mentioned the video dynamic, but are we also seeing that the trends stay, you know, uh, pretty much uh, the same? I mean, you know, is it cyber? I mean, what are we seeing in terms of the trends in terms of what's still hot as it relates to uh, the cleared market in in, in, in terms of hiring? So it's kind of the same as it's been. Um, um, Yeah, we've seen an an increase in in, uh, positions that require, you know, video expertise, but... Mm -hmm. Um, the the job market is essentially the same as, as it's been for the last uh, last couple of years. The heavy emphasis is on cybersecurity. It's on software development. It's on systems engineering and hardware. Uh, there are still plenty of jobs out there for things like uh, intelligence, logistics, training, uh, aviation. Plenty of things in finance and accounting, healthcare and medical. All that stuff is is still really at the same levels it's been. If you are someone who's outside of the cleared world looking to get into it, IT is going to be your best bet to uh, to get a security clearance these days. Our employers, I mean, I know at one point in time, I mean, and there, you know, there's kind of two different dynamics in terms of the clear market is that you have people who are basically who can get clearances because they have the cyber skills and the employer will clear them. But then you also have the the dynamic of you have a number of different people who are also basically, you know, going through a, a process in which they say, listen, you know, we need to definitely try to provide a scenario where we can already get uh, a clear workers, right? Where we can already kind of have people who already have security clearances in this uh, you know, area. Um, are you still saying that cyber in its framework is probably if you have the cyber skills, there are a number of employers who will clear you um, in terms of, you know, how people are looking for that entry level point where someone will sponsor their clearance. Is that still the case that cyber is that place where people can get the security clearance at? Yeah, cyber and, and software, but uh, almost all of technology. I mean, uh, people come to us obviously regularly and say, how, how can I get a clearance? 
and, and we tell them that they have to be sponsored by um, a government government contracting firm. But the, the easiest way to make yourself attractive is through you know IT skills, and uh, there are plenty of people who are now thinking about career changes due to the pandemic having shut down all sorts of different sectors. Looking for a career change, want longevity, want to come up with a uh, a practically recession-proof career. That means IT and security clearance. If you've got mm-hmm. those two, mm-hmm. you're you're sitting in a pretty uh, in a pretty good position. Now I know we've had two different scenarios in terms of the market, right? Because you have you know the Ubers, the the Googles, the Amazons, and this, that, and the other. They're still hungry for the IT talent as well. Are you still seeing a situation where you know, the private sector and really all sectors who need IT talent is that everybody's fighting for the top talent these days. I mean, is there still kind of a war in terms of getting the top talent into your organization as it relates to salaries and as it relates to benefits, as it relates to a number of other components uh, to get those best people? Yeah, there is. And I think if you take a look at, um, even though there's just a massive number of unemployed people in the U.S., uh, the tech sector has been, you know, largely unaffected. Sure. Um, And as I mentioned before, if you have a security clearance, you're you're in with tech skills, you're even in more demand. So, yeah, there's still an ongoing battle for uh, for tech professionals, both in the cleared world and outside of the cleared world. And one of the dynamics that's changed recently is that processing times for security clearance um, have been reduced. And that was not the case for many, many years. It's getting to the point where it may be possible, if the trends continue the same way they are, that by this time next year, employers could hire someone off the street without a security clearance and get them a clearance in a fairly uh, timely manner if the trends continue the same way that they have been for the last number of uh, quarters. You know, kind of dive into that um, in terms of the processing times, what is the reason why these processing times have, I mean, is it, te- is it technology? Um, is it better access to information? Um, is, it, is it a change in the SF forms? I mean, what, what would you kind of say are the various reasons that have allowed, because I mean, we, you know, at one point in time, and you know, we've been talking about this for a long time, Evan, you know, we were talking about, well, I think the last time we, we were talking about this was like 400 something days uh, to get a security clearance or whatever, you know, and, and, you know, which is a year, you know, almost a year and a quarter, and everything else. I mean, so what's going on that has changed, um, you know, that, that framework in terms of the lowering of these times? Yeah, so a little bit of background. The government looks at their fiscal years quarter by quarter based on uh, the government cycle. So it's not a calendar year. It's based on uh, the government budget cycle. So if you look at DOD and industry clearance processing times, in Q1, a top secret clearance was taking 280 days. If you look at um, fiscal year 20 for Q3, they've gotten it down from 280 280 days to 146 days end-to-end processing for a top secret clearance. Secret clearance is down from 169 days uh, down to 101 days. So they've made a lot of uh, progress and they've had three straight fiscal year quarters where the clearance processing times for DOD have reduced. And that does make a trend. Um, well, a while ago, we were worried that it would pick back up due to COVID, but it seems like the trend is that it's going down. Uh, the total number of backlog cases is hovering around 200 or so thousand people, and that's down from roughly 750 um, a, a year ago. So, yeah, improvements have surely been made. The reasons for it, 
primarily it's because clearance processing moved from uh, the National Background Investigation Bureau back to the DOD, and the DOD has put a, a heavy emphasis on speed, uh, reduction mm. of, of, uh, of clearance processing times. Um, at the same time, one of the biggest factors has been that the government has moved more and more uh, clearance holders to uh, continuous evaluation from periodic reinvestigation. Right. Periodic reinvestigation required a lot of human you know, manual processes, and those were people that could be put on the initial clearances rather than reinvestigation. So with continuous evaluation, now 2.2 million people with security clearance are enrolled, and that has definitely had a, um, a positive effect on clearance processing times. Uh, again, you know, if this trend continues, at some point soonish, maybe, you know, middle of next year, or, uh, you know, March, April of next year, we might see the ability for uh, government contracting firms to be able to hire off the street, non-cleared people and get them a clearance in a timely manner. That would be a significant game changer, Evan. I mean, you know, I mean, that opens huge. a whole new, I mean, that would be huge in terms of, uh, because, you know, I mean, all the, all the people who've always said, I want to get into this business, um, have always talked about basically the prohibitive process of the security clearance that it takes so long that they can't even That's afford right. to wait and do this kind of stuff. I mean, that would be huge. Quick question, because when I hear about speed, I always get concerned about quality. I mean, is, 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 is <laughs> you know, I mean, because, you know, when, when you hear about kind of things speeding up and then, uh, and we you know we've talked about this before, right? Kind of making sure that an Edward Snowden yeah. didn't get in, uh, that certain people did not get in and it becomes an inside a threat scenario. Um, are they still able to maintain the same quality, although they have sped up the process? I mean, what are you hearing those, on those levels? Well, unfortunately, the, the quality of security clearance investigations is never a topic until something goes wrong. Sure. And sure. that's obviously, you know, Snowden is the biggest example, but there, there are plenty of others. It's always, a, um, it's always a whiplash or a ping pong effect. You know, the clearance uh, processing times pick up, the backlog gets increased, everyone wants it to go faster. It goes faster, they get the numbers down, things are going speedy, and then all of a sudden we end up with, with quality problems. So. I have no doubt that at some point someone's going to slip through the cracks and we're going to see um, an issue and it's going to be traced back to the quality of the investigation. That's mm -hmm. just the way it's gone. It's gone from one extreme to another. It's very hard to find that happy medium um, where clearances are being processed fairly quickly, but at the same time, we can be very assured of the quality of the investigation. Um, I will say that the government has made great strides in the technology that they're using in the rules that uh, investigators have to abide by. Uh, the pandemic has definitely increased that because you can't go sit in front of uh, every person you're trying to investigate and um, have a face-to-face -face chat with them. They've been using more uh, virtual platforms for interviews. They've had mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. um, relax restrictions on fingerprints and even look at digital fingerprinting. So, it's a better world, I, I think. Um, is it foolproof? Um, absolutely not. But um, I think we're at a much better place now than we were a couple of years ago when everything had to be done manually. Everyone was taking, investigators were taking notes on pads of paper and having to go back to a central office and type them into an archaic system. Mm -hmm. The SF-86 was, uh, uh, was very difficult um, you know, years ago. It was much more manual process now. It's completely digitized. We're just in a, in a better spot. And I think that the reduction in clearance processing times 
is the uh, is the benefit of that. Definitely. We'll take a quick break. We're talking to Evan Lesser. He's the president and founder of clearancejobs.com, a great site. If you have not been on it, you have a security clearance, you need to get on it. Um, they've got a lot of great stuff on there. There are a number of different employers. The security clearance market is one of the more stable markets. So there are a number of different employers who are still hiring uh, people who have security clearances, everything from confidential all the way to top secret SEI with a full poly and everything else in between. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. George from the Federal News Network. We're talking about security clearances. We're talking about the clearance job market. We're talking about the pandemic and how it has has an impact on the security clearance market. And then also just a kind of a change in terms of what candidates' impressions are and perspectives are and what they're looking for right now, as well as a change in what employers are also saying is now coming into place because of the pandemic. There are going to be a number of different kind of shifts in terms of how we will work in the future based on what's happening right now. And we're having that conversation today. We're talking to Evan Lester, one of our favorite guests. He's the president and founder of clearancejobs.com. And we're talking about these different issues with him today. Evan, you know, when it comes to the employer side, Evan, you kind of mentioned this in the last segment um, about kind of how employers are now um, um, now moving towards kind of the, you know, I, mean, I mean, of course, hiring has changed, right? I mean, they've got to do virtual interviewing. Uh, they're using different platforms like HireVue and other things of that sort. What is going to be the impact in terms of uh, the virtual hiring dynamic? Are employers seeing that to be an effective tool? And then also, too, in terms of the onboarding process, um, it seems as if everything is going to be moving towards more and more of a virtual scenario. Uh, and, and you kind of mentioned about the virtual fingerprinting or digital fingerprinting and things of that sort. Um, is that going to kind of be the, the trend of the future, you think? It is. And, and I think just taking one quick step back, if you look at um, hiring during the pandemic, um, I, I guess at the very start of the pandemic, when people were being locked in, you know, in, in home, there was a worry that recruiting for national security positions would slow down. And, and it actually has not. The national security industry has, has always been relatively sheltered from past economic troubles. When we did our recent surveys, we found out that only 8%, very small number of employers, told us that hiring was frozen or that they were furloughing uh, employees. And, and in fact, while it's a small number, about 4% of employers told us that they're actually hiring more in the pandemic uh, mm. than they were previously. Okay. So they, they've been very clear to us that hiring has largely been unaffected during the pandemic. However, what has changed is candidate responsiveness. Um, the biggest recruiting challenge during the pandemic has been convincing candidates to make a move. And, and by move, I don't necessarily mean relocation. I mean simply moving from their current employer to another company. There's mm -hmm. a a hunker down and shelter in place mentality. And it stems to jobs and careers as well. With the global pandemic, you know, people have bigger concerns um, and switching from one pretty good job to another job isn't necessarily one of them. So candidate responsiveness has been a really big challenge. Everyone's time is more divided. You know, security cleared workers are working from home and they've got kids at home. Obviously mm -hmm. the pandemic hit before school ended. Uh, went on during the summer and, and now back to school has meant, you know, parents have had to find extra time in their days. So if employers have pinged candidates waiting for a response, it's been really difficult to um, to get one. So companies are still making hires for sure, but no doubt it's tougher than before. Technology ha has definitely had an impact. Um, 
to, to some degree, employers are more productive. They're able to um, uh, get more interviews done. They're able to do candidate research more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have to dress up and go into to, to an office every day. But at the same time, candidates have been far less responsive than they were before the pandemic. You know, when it comes to that kind of piece, and you kind of just mentioned, I mean, this kind of dives into kind of a kind of the almost kind of the quality of life of different candidates and things of that sort. Um, are you finding that employers are taking a little bit more of a perspective of, you know, I mean, rather than the nine to five, you know, where where everybody would come in, you know, work their hours and everything else, the kind of traditional work day. Are employers now kind of taking a different perspective in terms of, you know, work hours, um, you know, of flexibility as it relates to, um, you know, you know, can a person just, you know, more more almost kind of project like, get, you know, get the job done rather than kind of you being you, you got to be in front of the desk from nine to five and everything else. Are we seeing kind of a mind shift change as it relates to that kind of stuff? Absolutely. And, and they have to be, you know, people's expectations have changed uh, in the recent uh, candidate survey we did, 34% of employed cleared professionals said they would entertain a new job offer, but they would need to be positive that remote work was available for them. Mm. So it's no longer just a side conversation. It's no longer just something they add on to the end of, of a pitch. I mean, work from home and telework is now at the primary you know, forefront of conversations that employers and candidates um, are having. Sure. You know, sure, sure. not only you know, due to the current pandemic, but people are thinking about the future as well. Um, across the country, kids are maybe going back to school, whether it be digital or or in person. Mm-hmm. And for those jurisdictions where uh, uh, students are virtual, you know, em- em- employers have to be cognizant of the fact that um, prospective employees are going to need to work from home. If they've got kids at home, young kids at home, they're going to have to work from home. So this right. is not just uh, a side conversation. It is the the number one conversation that employers are having is, with candidates. It, 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 it's, it it's is the conversation. Yeah, it, it is the conversation right now. Do you foresee? And this is kind of. I mean, I'm kind of thinking about kind of visionary and everything else, right? I mean, for those people who were um, more of, uh, and I, I know, and we kind of mentioned about logistics. I mean, more kind of the hands-on type people who almost have to kind of be in front of certain things in order for things to happen. Where does that conversation kind of tie them in for those security clearance workers who deal with uh, kind of the more operational type stuff that has to go on and can't necessarily be in a digital environment? Are they also saying, listen, um, you know, I want to be included in this as well. I want to have a little bit more flexibility. I want to have a little bit more uh, 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 kind of a way to control my schedule as well. I mean, where do they stand in terms of the employer perspective? So that's an that's an interesting question. And when we ran our recent candidate survey, we were really interested in trying to figure out uh, what was on candidates' minds, what were their concerns, um, specifically for those people that n- couldn't necessarily work remotely. Mm-hmm. And as we surveyed uh, surveyed them, interestingly, while job security and layoffs and furloughs were high on the list, they weren't at the top. Primarily, cleared workers were concerned with staying safe not catching COVID and what their work environments were going to look like when the pandemic is, you know, mostly under control, you know, keep in mind because you can quell the majority of security cleared workers concerns as an employer, you can focus on this stuff. And that is what we've been coaching um, employers and companies to do is to proactively talk about, here's what our telework situation looks like. 
here's what our office situation looks like. Here's how we're keeping you safe uh, when you are um, on the job. You know, again, there are people that must work in a SCIF. There are people that have to come into an office multiple days a week due to the, the uh, classified nature of the work they're, they're doing. But uh, employers are doing themselves benefits by proactively jumping in front of candidates and saying, listen, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to keep you safe. And that's what candidates have been most concerned about. It's, it hasn't been right. job security. It hasn't been furloughs and layoffs. It's been how I don't, don't, don't want to get sick. Job. Yeah, I don't want to get sick. I don't right. want to infect my family and everything else. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 yep. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, that that's also... Um, these days, because, you know, oftentimes in, in many of these environments, I mean, you know, some environments were spread out, but I'm, I'm sure that in terms of people who still have to kind of keep an infrastructure or a building or whatever the case is, um, it's definitely kind of changing the way things are laid out as it relates to uh, workers and everything else. I mean, what, what are you hearing in terms of the investment, um, you know, uh, uh, in terms of kind of just kind of laying things out where people are social distance, um, people are not on top of each other in cubicles and everything else? I mean, are those changes kind of hap- rapidly happening in the employer workplace these days or what's going on? Absolutely. And, you know, everyone wants to, to get back to work for sure, but everyone wants to do it in a safe and secure manner. I think the good news is that in the national security space, um, companies jumped on this quickly and the candidate perception has been has been positive, you know, mm-hmm. considering the closest thing that a lot of companies had to compare the pandemic with was a couple of snow days. Um, cleared workers have been largely happy how their employers have handled the virus. Um, the, the overwhelming majority of, of cleared people said, yeah, my company's doing a, a good job of keeping us informed and making my workplace safe and giving me options uh, for, for telework. Um, it's, been, it's been largely largely positive. So I guess at this point, HR teams can use this to their advantage. They can proactively jump in front of security cleared workers uh, and prospective em- employees and say, this is what we're doing. Um, we hear your concerns. We're addressing it. And, and you know, we're, we're on top of it. Outstanding. We're talking to Evan Lesser. We're getting an update about what's going on with, with the dynamics of the pandemic and how it's impacting the clear, the clear job market. We're getting some updates about how employers as well as candidates are viewing the market right now. Seems to be a stable market that's going on. But when we come back, we're going to talk about a recent incident uh, where there has been some, uh, uh, some kind of Chinese espionage using some job-seeking tools in order to, to begin to identify people who were having security clearances or had access to classified information and they were trying to do some unique things and trying to kind of trick these people to, well, not even trick or, or elicit these people to give up secrets of the United States. We'll be talking about that when we come back. We're talking to Evan Lesser. He's the president and founder of clearancejobs.com. We'll be right back after this break. You listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. If you just joined us, we've been having a great conversation about what's been going on and really how has the pandemic had an impact upon the security clearance market in terms of the government contractors, government agencies, what's been changing out there. A big emphasis on teleworking, virtual working, a big emphasis on people maintaining uh, a social distance and keeping safe at the workplace, a big emphasis in terms of what candidates' expectations are going forward, and maybe some even some good news about the lowering of the processing times in terms of clearances. But interesting enough, even with all this stuff going on, uh, uh, Evan, you know, there was a, a situation where this guy, um, uh, a guy known as Dixon, was using LinkedIn 
And then he was contacting people and he was uh, basically became a spy for the Chinese, a Singaporean uh, a PhD student had became a, 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 a basically a Chinese spy and was basically contacting people in uh, almost the auspices of saying, listen, uh, I need you to do some research for me as a job opportunity and things of that sort. And then he had people contacting him or applying for his position and then doing research on America. And then I guess he was going to eventually uh, use that work and give it back to the Chinese and, but also get these people to maybe eventually spy uh, uh, on America for uh, the Chinese government. With that being the case, how much are places like LinkedIn or the Indies, whatever, how much are they compromised in terms of this kind of situation and what should security clearance people who are looking for jobs be thinking about given this threat? Yeah. So, you know, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a great site. You know, we, we all use it. We all use it to, to, to check people out and, and to make professional connections for sure. But in the national security space, LinkedIn is just flat out dangerous. The openness of the platform, the wideness of the platform, the fact that there are so many people on it um, has made it a target. And, and, that's uh, that's unfortunate, but yeah, foreign intelligence agencies uh, love LinkedIn because they can get all kinds of information on people. They can pose as companies, they can pose as individuals, and on a personal platform like I guess Facebook um, is is the best example, or um, Snapchat or others. The amount of uh, information that you share it's of a different nature, and I think when you take a look at LinkedIn, it's more professional. You're talking about coworkers. You're talking about projects you're working on, technologies you're doing. It, it can really open you up to exploitation. But for security cleared people, they've got to be super, super um, judicious and careful on LinkedIn. They should not be talking about the projects they're working on. They should be very uh, closed down in terms of uh, who they accept connections with. Mm -hmm. uh, they should surely examine and, and uh, scrutinize every connection that they've already made and see if they need to delete it. Uh, there are a lot of best practices. I think the best one to date is to not accept a connection from someone on LinkedIn that you have not met in person and that you do not have absolute certainty as to who they are. You know, the question always comes in, especially for people who have security clearances and, and, and those who are thinking about getting security. I mean, we're getting into the security clearance industry, uh, maybe a job within that that, may, that requires a security clearance. The question will always come like, should I have a LinkedIn? Right. Should I have a Facebook? Should I have this social media or do I get rid of it or do I not ever even develop that kind of page? Where are you on, I mean, especially with you kind of dealing with this industry for so long, Evan, you know, where are you on the whole dynamic of social media or not social media? That is the question. You know, I mean, where, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I mean, it's surely um, getting to be almost a necessity in, uh, in daily life for everything that we do, from shopping to keeping up with family and personal connections and, and everything else. But for security cleared workers, they have... Uh, essentially agreed with the government that they will protect themselves or protect the classified information that they're close to. And uh, they have to take that seriously. So should they get rid of social media? No. Should they be extremely careful and uh, overly protective of the information they share and how they use it and who they connect with? Without a doubt. I mean, every armed uh, forces, every part of the military, every armed force has Facebook and LinkedIn and other pages 
but you got to be extremely careful about who you talk to. It's gotten mm-hmm. to the point now where foreign intelligence agents are extremely sophisticated. Uh, they can pose as a, anyone like um, uh, this uh, uh, gentleman Dixon from, from China did. He has his own consultancy that he created. It all looks incredibly real. They've, you've just got to be super, super, super careful. You know, you just kind of mentioned something right there. How does a candidate especially what you just kind of mentioned about kind of the, especially the level right now in which people can make web pages that seem like, you know, this is the official business, uh, very, very legitimate, this, that, and the other, but how can candidates do the due diligence that they need to do to make sure that um, they are uh, responding to somebody that may not be a foreign intelligence service? I mean, are there certain kind of tips or certain kind of things that someone can do to keep themselves almost like identity theft, right? I mean, how do you kind of protect yourself from, you know, uh, uh, your identity being stolen and using against you, right? You know, how, how can a, a, a candidate protect themselves in order to say, you know what, I did not get trapped by a foreign intelligence service? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough for sure. It, it takes a lot of research. It does take time. It does take effort. There's no place you can go to, to you know, verify the legitimacy of, uh, of, a, of another company without wondering if that source is legitimate in itself. Mm-hmm. It just takes time. It does take uh, uh, effort, but I would say common sense is the number one thing to use. If it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't look right, if it doesn't smell right, if it seems too good to be true, mm-hmm. it probably is. And you should always err on the side of caution. Take it to the extreme. Do what I do if you want. You know, I only accept LinkedIn requests and Facebook requests from people that I know and, right. and leave it at that. And then when you say people who you know are those people who you've interacted with on either on the phone or 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 you've either met them through various contacts or also too, are you also saying, you know what? In my network, I will accept somebody else who somebody else vouches for. Like if somebody says, I know this guy directly, he's good to go. You can definitely trust this person, this and the other. I mean, do we have to go that far to kind of say, listen, who is this person? Um, are, are you referring this person to me? I mean, is that where we got to go now? Well, just because someone is a friend on online with someone else doesn't mean that, uh, that they're legitimate. Uh, oftentimes, sure. the strategy of a foreign intelligence agent is that they will befriend um, others that they are trying to, uh, of the person they're trying to target. So if I want to get to you, Derek, I'm going to befriend all of your friends, and mm-hmm. then I'm going to go to you. So when we connect, you see that I'm already friends with. It makes it seem, you make know, it seem legitimate. It's more legitimate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, you, you have to get much deeper than that. Um, just because someone is connected or likes someone that you know, doesn't mean that, uh, that they're legitimate. You got to get much deeper. Uh, in my case, I only accept friend requests from people that I've physically met in person mm-hmm. and have a hundred percent uh, knowledge of, of knowing that they're legitimate. Right, right, right. Some good tips right there. We have, unfortunately, we got to end it right there. Evan, thank you as usual for just all the insight and the tips. We'll definitely be catching up with you in the near future. Can okay, continue to be safe? Uh, everybody who's listening, make sure that you continue to be safe as well, not only uh, in the world, but also in the virtual world as you're going forward. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on the Federal News Network. We'll see you the next time. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Tune in Monday afternoons at 1 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. Your story. It lives in River City. 
where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.